You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Jasper. I'm Autumn. This is episode 99 of the Am Writing <laughs> Fantasy Podcast. So one episode away from number 100. Woo! But before we before we get that far, we are slowly approaching the end of 2020. And we thought that this was a good time to sort of take stock of the indie publishing landscape. Uh, what are some of the opportunities, the threats maybe to an mm-hmm. author business here towards the end of 2020 and reaching into 2021? So I'm looking forward to this conversation. But first I have to say, Autumn, yeah. just imagine that by next week, we've released a podcast episode for 100 Mondays in a row. That's just amazing. <laughs> I can't believe we hit 100. That's that is something to celebrate, especially in 2020 when it seems like just <laughs> one, you need a reason to celebrate. And I just maybe we shouldn't jinx it because we have yet to record it. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to calm down and make sure it really happens. And I'll be happy then. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's quite uh, I think it's it's quite an accomplishment. You know, uh, a lot of podcasts never makes it past like 10 episodes because you know, creators start out very enthusiastic about the podcast, and and then after ten episodes, they realize how much work it is, and then they they drop it again. It happens very very often, actually. So reaching a hundred is it's it's a lot more than most. Yes, it is, and it is really exciting. So it is something to celebrate. But yeah, I just I don't know how it happened. I'm just I am glad we're doing something special, and I'm looking forward to the questions, the few glimpses I've seen of the questions submitted. So it's going to be really a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. But first, so how are things? We've been so busy. I mean, we had the student Q and A today. We had all this stuff going on. Yeah. We haven't even chatted ourselves this time. So how are things on your side of the Atlantic? No, it's it's good. Uh, I actually spent a couple of hours yesterday driving all kinds of stuff that we've emptied out from the attic onto the <laughs> landfill. <laughs> oh no, it's right. Yeah. Packing to move. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and and. Jesus, there was a lot of stuff. I mean, <laughs> especially from the attic, you know, that's sort of you put the stuff up there. You feel like, well, maybe we're going to use this one day and you put it up there and then you realize, well, 10 years went past and it's just sitting up there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we do have to rent a storage room, though. That that much is clear already. Um, and I, I think we've pro- probably found a space where we can uh, rent um, a storage room from. But uh, we haven't quite worked out how big a room we need yet, so uh, <laughs> we'll figure that out. Yeah, you, that, that you don't want to get something too small, but if you get something too big, then you're just paying for extra room. But I have to admit, having lived out of storage units, it seems like for the last few years since we sold the house and started traveling, that the more having space and having like aisles and things labeled, it, it's kind of worth the extra um, money at times if you think you're going to be. <laughs> Uh, accessing that for more than a couple months. 
That's just the organizer in you <laughs> love doing that. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. the key. And then having uh, everyone in your family honoring the honor, the organizational system and not just going in there and taking something out and not telling anyone and not crossing it off the list and you'll never see it again. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's... I don't know if there's much else to say, to be honest. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm just tackling the things on the to-do list. Uh, earlier today, I was uh, proof listening the audiobook version of our short guy on developing story ideas. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, that was pretty good. I mean, the, the narrator is really good. I like his voice. Oh, yeah. Um, so I just have like two chapters left to proofread. Oh, fantastic. proof listen, I guess <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's called. Yeah. So, yeah, once that's done, then I'll push it into post-production and then Ooh. we just have to wait until that's the exciting. audiobook is available. That's fantastic. I can't wait. Yes, I really like his voice. He's very, he has such a very smooth and energetic voice, which is perfect for nonfiction. You don't want someone who sounds like, you know, your nightmares of third grade English. <laughs> so he's really good. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's good. Yeah, yes. very good. So, uh, but how about you? Oh, it's been, we've both been so busy. I I swear we get so many things done off of our list, but then there's just piles on. So after a huge week of finishing up formats for other people and fantasy maps for people, I had this deadline to finish by the end of October, which is right, we're just in early November. So my deadline was to finish the third book of The Tainted Fae that I've been writing. And I was down to, I had to write a chapter of day to do it. And I did. I beat it by one day. So I was so excited. I am still on track to hopefully release the first book or the next book. It'll be book two because book one's out, but book two in the series at the end of February. So that is good. And I had an audiobook finished by my audiobook narrator. And that's on my post-apocalyptic series. So, and he's just, he's, He's getting movie roles and plays and he's got all this stuff going on so that he's, um, I don't, we're sticking with each other. I'm like his number one favorite author and he's my like number one favorite narrator. So we're, we are wed for the whole series and he is on to the final book in that one. So I can't wait. Yeah, and uh, you were even uh, speculating to see if you could get him on the podcast, right? Ah, yes, we we have agreed. We have to set up a date, but uh, literally a date. But it'll be our first time chatting, <laughs> chatting on air, so it'll be a lot of fun. But I thought it would be great to have him and get some perspectives of you know what you would look for, uh, what audiobook narrators are looking for when they're getting a script and ready to record. So I cannot wait to have Brian uh, join me on the podcast for an interview. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, that will probably be end of January or something like yeah, that. So it'll yeah, be a listeners wild. have to be patient. <laughs> but uh, we'll get there. Yes, we will. A week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Well, first of all, a huge shout out and thank you to Ruth Molinar. I hope I pronounced <laughs> that right. At least I hope I did it better than when I forced you to pronounce a Danish surname. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, I, I think you probably got a little bit closer than I did with uh, that one. So I think at least Ruth, we're pretty sure of your first name. So thank you for joining us on Patreon. Yeah, we're so happy to have you on board. And it it is truly the Patreon support that keeps this podcast going. So yes. as you've noticed, we have no sponsors and we have no commercials on this podcast feed but it's only possible to keep it 
this way long term if we have people signing up on Patreon. So, dear listener, if you haven't checked it out yet, just uh, spend two minutes, follow the link in the show notes, and take a look at all the cool awards that we give to supporters. There might be something that you like, and to be honest, just a dollar a month does help us out. Absolutely. It, it keeps the uh, internet lights on, at least for the podcast. And we definitely cannot complain about that. It's wonderful to have support because, yeah, like you said, otherwise, I don't know. It would be, I, I don't want to have commercials. I've never liked commercials. So this is no, good. Me neither. But, uh, sometimes I think some podcast ends up being forced to have commercials yeah. to, to fund the endeavor. But uh, it would be nice not to have to do that at some point in the future. So, uh, Yeah, please uh, check out Patreon if you haven't done so. And uh, one more thing. I I know it's like best practice to never include more than one call (laughs) to action, but I'm thinking maybe I could break that rule uh, this once. (laughs) All right, just this one time we'll let you. (laughs) Uh, I just wanted to mention that the ratings and reviews helps other listeners to find our podcast. And why is that? Well, just like on Amazon, the algorithms that suggest new podcasts to listeners They will focus on the podcast with many ratings and reviews. So if you haven't done so already, please take a moment to rate and possibly also leave a review for our podcast. It should only take you a moment, uh, but if all our listeners would be willing to do so, that would make quite a difference. And uh, I can't tell you exactly where to click and so on because it all depends on what app you're using, And uh, but it should really not be complicated. So uh, yeah, if you don't mind spending probably like 30 seconds to lead a rating, then please do so. <laughs> yes, we would appreciate it. We're all authors here. We know how important those reviews are on books. So it's very similar with podcasts. So if you could let people know what you think, why you like it, and if it's helped you, thank you. That would be so fantastic and we would appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then I had news. I thought this is sort of a lead into something else we've got cooking. And one of the reason we're both so busy besides everything else we've got going on. But I asked in one of my newsletters, a survey question about book length. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to know, I'd seen some authors putting out these like little kind of fantasy shorts. And so I went and asked my readers, Hey, is this something you would like? And yeah. guess how many said it is something that they would think would be interesting having these shorter books. Um, eighty percent. Oh, you were you you've looked in my emails, haven't you? No, <laughs> but that is almost dead on. It was eighty-two uh, percent. It... Yes, so they wouldn't <laughs> mind some shorter, like uh, standalone story. So I thought that was so interesting. But what I think is really cool is that this is why having a newsletter is so exceptional. I don't have to sit here and wonder. I asked my readers. And, you know, we actually have this course we've been working on that, you know, it could help out some authors figure out what to do with their email list. So we'll have some more news about that coming up soon. Hmm. (laughs) Soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will for sure. But I'm also thinking, isn't it kind of, well, a bit obvious? I mean... It's your readers, right? So if you ask them, would you be interesting to have a bit of, uh, you know, some shorter stories as well? 
wouldn't they always say yes? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was interesting because uh, the way I had the question broken up is like, you know, do you always think they should be full length? Should they always be a series? They had a couple of options. And so it was interesting to see. There was a few people who came back and like, doesn't have to be a series, but it has to be full length. And there are some very strong opinions on this. So it was really, it was a great chance to interact with them. But no, not everyone said, oh, just just write more books. They, they have specifics they really do like. And on to today's topic. So I think this is going to be uh, more of a conversation, probably. I uh, think so, too. Yeah, and we'll, we'll see if we have the same views on the industry as it stands. As usual, we have not coordinated our our line of thinking here at all. Uh, so, <laughs> But I guess we like it that way. It, it makes it more interesting, doesn't it? It does. And yes, and this was one of those ones where I checked my checklist and what we were doing today while making breakfast, saw the topic, <laughs> and then didn't think anything else about it until after the student Q&A when I did a double check saying that really was the topic today, right? I don't have to, I didn't need to do homework, did I? So I think, yes, we'll have to, we'll have to see if our opinions differ, but both of us being published authors, I'd be shocked if we were like, no, don't do it. So <laughs> I think we're pretty much at least on a very similar vein that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, it's a bit of a different episode, this one, in the sense that it is not like a list you can go down and say, okay, this and this and this. Uh, it, it's much more like we, we could go in all kinds of directions with mm, this. Definitely. Um and I think if we're looking at the publishing market as a whole and sort of just try to see if we can focus on the point where we can say uh, these are maybe the trends we're seeing uh, or also what are some of the challenges and so on. Uh, but I, I think a good place I'd, I could start us out maybe mm, sure. would be to mention that the possibilities and the tools we have available today in order to publish our work on Amazon, Kobo, Google, and all the other online retailers. I mean, the, the market or, or the po possibilities we have, it, it's only about 10 years old, you know. Oh, yeah. Think about that. I mean, the fact that you're listening to this podcast, trying to educate yourself every week, that probably puts the listener into the 1% percentile, to be honest. Mm. I mean, most authors don't do that. <laughs> and while more than 1% probably knows how to publish their work online, I, I honestly don't think that I'm mistaking in saying that there's a lot less people who knows about this indie publishing stuff than you think. Oh, yeah. I will. I mean, having I seem to often end up formatting books or doing book covers to new authors, and it becomes more of a coaching session on, oh, don't forget you need keywords. Well, keywords? What do you mean keywords or categories? And why do I need to worry about this and that? And so, yeah, there's it's not a you know intuitive. I think it's amazing the information that's out there, but I think we've gone from the early days of self-publishing. I mean, I started in 2012, eight years ago now, and mm. then there was no information because it was so new. No one knew what they were doing. And now, you know, eight years later, there's so much information and some of it's wrong and some of it's outdated and some of it's just assumed and so that's the other side is then you're just wondering please just someone consolidate all of this into something i can actually one i trust and two give me the step by step so that's the 
difficulties, I think, of doing it now. I mean, back in 2012, I love calling it the Wild West days of self-publishing. <laughs> yeah. Was it Stephen King started this basically, I think it was 2010 when he released a novella 100% online and crashed the server, of course. <laughs> it was Stephen King. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. he kicked us off. And yeah, two years later, Amazon had less than a million books when I first released mine. I mean, getting thousands of downloads, especially if you offered it for free, like a Kindle free day, you know, those five days free if you're in KDP Select was easy. Now it's a lot harder, but the tools, I mean, we didn't have Vellum or these wonderful formatters and some of the covers now, I mean, they the covers these days rival or do better than the traditional publishers. The, you go on Amazon and the covers are just absolutely amazing. It has gone from trying to mimic a printed paperback that a traditional publisher would put out to doing stuff that only is done online. I, I'm waiting a year or two from now, there will be moving covers. I've been told that there are video covers and stuff, but mm, they're not mm. they're not available yet on Amazon. Thank goodness. Being a graphic artist, I do not want to go there. But if we have to, I will learn. But it's the covers are just fantastic and they are made, they can be printed but they really, the colors just, they're designed to have the light and the video screen behind them. And it's so fantastic. And the yeah. books look gorgeous. And yeah, I remember, I remember when you uploaded your first book, was it in Word? And did you even have um, the hot links uh, table of contents? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a Scrivener extract. And uh -huh. then I, I had a, well, uh, <laughs> I was trying to look into how to do it myself, and then mm -hmm. indeed there there was no. I'm not on Mac either, so I did not have any Vellum or anything. So I actually just bought uh, the service from somebody else. I just sent them the Scrivener files and say format this stuff, <laughs> and then they did. <laughs> so I just uh, paid my way out of it. Oh, um, that works. Yeah, but yeah, yeah that works. It, but, uh, yeah, but, my first yeah, one was just Word, and I don't think it was hotlinked. I mean, no one talked about that in 2012. Now no, it's indeed. like you need to have these things done or Amazon might not even let your book in. Yeah, but but also thinking about the stuff that people are talking about, as you say, you know, I, I think that a lot of us, we live inside this little information bubble here because, <sighs> and what I mean by that is, I, I mentioned the one percentile before, right? If you're listening to this, you are a very small sliver of the entire author population, meaning that we, I think we often assume that every author knows all the stuff that we're talking about here, <laughs> but they don't. Mm. I, I, I think like maybe 90% of authors uh, will not know all the, well, of course, okay, let's say a lot of authors will know how to publish on Amazon and so on, but there was also a huge, uh, let's say, population of, out of those who does not know all the details about, oh, you okay, you, you can use KDP Rocket apparently to research keywords. Okay, we didn't know that. <laughs> uh, the stuff you just mentioned about cover designs and where that is going, didn't know that. You know, the, I think there is a lot of things that, because we li we are sort of tapped into things, and I'm talking about the listeners here as well, right? Because they listen to podcasts and they educate themselves. It is so easy to start thinking that here in 2020, well, everybody knows this stuff. But honestly, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think Most so. Most people too. don't. Yeah. I mean, I've been surprised. I've joined some promos with other authors. 
And one of them, I went to look up at her books, and her name was listed differently on different books, so that she had like five different author pages. And so I was just like, <laughs> wow, you know, the organizational side of me just like, you know, went belly up and passed out. But I, again, it's little stuff if you don't realize how all this stuff links together. If you're not intuitive, maybe with computers to see how all that metadata works, then you might end up with something like that so easily. I actually had that in Goodreads. It turned out there was whether or not my middle name had a period or a space. I mm. was missing books on Goodreads and I didn't even know it until um, a friendly librarian helped me out. And I suddenly went from like three pages of books to five or six. Right. <laughs> She's like, I found six more books. I'm like, oh my goodness, where did they come from? But <laughs> if one little thing, one period was off, you might not have all your books if you don't go in and claim them and find them and link everything. No, but but that's the thing. I mean, because there is so many tools and possibilities available, there's also so many things to keep track of and learn. And that's really th something I think in t in today's market that you you have to be mindful. I mean, it's not only authors. I mean, um, oh, yeah. if you're looking at readers as well, we are not even close to a mature market when it comes to the consumption of ebooks, for example. Not even close. <laughs> there are so many places in the world where ebooks is that's not that common, uh, and there's even places where you can't even get it. Uh, Amazon maybe don't even have a storefront in those countries yet. <laughs> so there is so much, let's say, to come in the future. Yes, um, and. Again, also here, I think maybe we're living inside a bit of an information bubble here where we're just assuming that, well, if we if I'm going into publishing now here in 2020, I'm already way too late to the party. You know, the other started 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm way behind. Uh, but honestly, I don't think so. No. I think it's it's you're still in the early days of it. Yes, I think we're still in the early days. I think it helps to listen to podcasts like this, you know, learn your information before releasing, but it's never too late. You can have a series out, you could have written 10 books and and then, you know, find us and start listening and get your marketing down or get whatever missing piece you have. But because I do, I there are authors who are launching series sometimes right out of the gate. And I'm like, wow, I wish I had been that put together back in 2012. <laughs> I would love to have not learned everything the hard way, but at least I help people now so they don't have to. But that's, that's still, it's still possible. People are releasing books, whether it's their first series, whether it's their fourth series, and they're doing it well. They're hitting the numbers. They're getting the bestseller tags. They're doing phenomenal. And you can do that now, even though there are i mean i there's it's just rumors now isn't it no one really knows how many books are on amazon it's not like the old days where you could actually just go click in the corner and you would actually see the number of ebooks listed yeah not that easy i think to it was no i think it was in 2018 that amazon stopped making it public the information yeah. but common Commons, let's like say common. Do you see call it common agreements? I don't know, but <laughs> but like the general consensus. I yes. guess that's more what I'm trying to say yeah. is that uh, at the moment, ebooks on Amazon seems to be growing by about a million a year. Wow! Um, and I think the latest 
well, it's only assumptions, of course, because nobody knows the true number since a couple of years ago when Amazon stopped uh, publishing, um, making it pop- that information public available. Mm-hmm. But I think the last number I saw was about 8 million. Wow. And and then growing by a million a year. So, so you can see where we're going, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of books. It is. Yeah. It is definitely harder to release something and be immediately seen unless you have all those ducks in a row but you can still find readers you can still build a career out of this and it's unlike you know i'd rather be doing this now than you know even 50 years ago where you had to go through the traditional publishers and you were vetted and agents and i understand the perception that the people who do get agents are like better writers and everything but i don't think so i think they're more marketable I think the, you know, pub, the traditional publishers they want to they're putting a lot of money into an author, so they want an author who is going to be marketable and make them money. That doesn't mean they're necessarily better writers or have a better story. They just have a better selling point. Um, so there's nothing wrong with yeah. going and trying and writing, and f- you will find fans. You will find people who love what you write, and that is awesome. Yeah, for sure. I mean. They- there is a point around this quality of the work, right? I mean, with the gatekeepers, as it were, well, yeah, I mean, at least they would, they would sort of weed out the, the, the bad stuff first. Uh, and then even once you got past the gatekeepers, the traditional publishing, the editing that you're getting there is, is first of all, very, very professional and mm. you're getting many rounds of editing so finding, for example, a spelling error in a p- traditionally published book is its very rare that you find anything. Uh, whereas, of course, you could say that you could do the same thing as an indie author, but it, it costs a lot of money if you have <laughs> to uh, hire like six different editors. Oh my goodness, or how yes. many pa- they do They do a lot of passes in traditional publishing to make sure that there are no errors. So at least to that extent, there is a difference. But... I also feel like the fact that there is no gatekeepers, I, I think that's good. I don't like this gatekeeper thing that somebody sits there and judges what is publishable and what is not. I think that's wrong. Let the market decide what they want to buy. Uh-huh. And, and that's what happens today, right? So Absolutely. readers decide what they're buying and what they're not buying. That's It's that simple. Yes. Um, but of course, it does put a lot of responsibility on the author to ensure that your stories and your writing is as good as it can be. Absolutely. And I mean, that's to me what gatekeepers, I think people forget it wasn't just quality that they were keeping a hold of. They're keeping a hold of traditions and not letting people or stories through that they thought were either not marketable or they didn't want to see. So minorities and women or whatever it was, if you hit the wrong person, the wrong publishing house, you would never see the light of day. Now, you you want to find a book on anything, it's out there and you can find it and you can write it. But yes, just because you have a voice, you should work on the quality issue. You should do your best to, you know, run through an editor, you know, make sure that it's, uh, especially now formatting, I mean, you'll get rejected. I actually kind of like Amazon has gone through and now they spell check your manuscript as you're uploading it and if you have any errors Mm. they will come back and they will say hey you know fix this or you can't you can't change anything in it that basically locks your book in the dashboard and so until you 
say yes, fix it, or no, my last name really is spelled that way because I get an error. Not anymore. They finally figured out what my last name is. But I was always, they wanted to change it to Brit instead of Bert. And so (laughs) I was getting like every time I had my name, please let us know, go fix your spelling error. (laughs) So there are those little issues. But besides that, I think it's great. Every once in a while, I still get one or two like, hey, is this a correct word? Like, yes, I made it up. It's really spelled that way. <laughs> but it's yeah. good. They're paying attention. And that is helping move up the quality so that the books who don't have the spell checks and stuff will be held back. Yeah. I thought of one downside of there not being any gatekeepers, to be honest. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> because there's no gatekeepers anymore. And because we're talking about those 8 million ebooks on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Visibility is really the biggest issue uh, that we have here in 2020 and, and going forward as well. And to be honest, I would say that it's probably only going to get worse. And, I, and that's probably not what people want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've said before that this has become a pay-to-play market. Mm-hmm. And I still think that right now we are very much depending on advertising to get our work in front of readers. And that said, and well, I'll be discussing this much more in the self-publishing success course that we'll put out for free (laughs) in the near future. More about that in another episode coming in the near future as as well. (laughs) But my point is just that pouring more and more money into advertising, that's sort of a downward spiral, isn't it? That's not sustainable. No. And that's where we're heading. I mean, more and more authors are getting onto the advertising platforms. They're putting more and more money in. If you're looking at the uh, bits for keywords on on the Amazon ads, they're only going up. It's getting more and more expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, even traditional publishing companies are getting into those uh, advertising uh, places now, and they're just pouring money into it. So it's, and we're sell, trying to sell like a $5 ebook or, or whatever your price is, but it, it does not take very much per bit in terms of cost before it is not worth it anymore. So that's the main concern, I think. And I believe that, and this is uh, where you and I are focusing, Autumn, but I, I believe that it is much more important to spend your time and also probably the majority of your money in trying to find your 1,000 true fans and get them onto your email list. Yes, I agree. I, that's what I see with so many things is I I wonder what the next step, I mean, goodness knows if I, if anyone comes up with the next step of what is beyond for eBooks, you know, how t- readers can find them because everyone talks about Goodreads not being the best it could be and Amazon's not doing anything to make it better. Amazon's where, you know, I just asked another survey question to my newsletter saying, where do you buy books? Because I want to know when I release my next series, Mm -hmm. you know, should I keep it wide? Is it on Amazon? And, you know, I've got a scattering everywhere, but most still go to Amazon. They go to Amazon just even like, even if they have a Barnes and Nobles, you know, a Nook, they're going on Amazon because the search engine is fantastic. But I still, I depending on how things go with the U.S. elections and the future. I mean, I don't know if Amazon's going to be able to stay as one massive entity and what's going to happen if it crumbles or if it changes. We're going to eventually, ebooks might have to expand beyond Amazon or what What happens when they get 20 million books? I mean, 
Or is <laughs> yeah. server space unlimited? Is there going to be restrictions which will just spawn side sites almost instantly? Uh, that, hey, if you actually like fantasy, go to this place instead of here because you're going to find more fantasy authors over there. It could happen. We don't know, but I don't think ebooks are going away. I. I have so many people in my family who are like, I only read on paper. And, you know, like a year or two later, they see like a Kindle Paperwhite and they're like, I only read on my Kindle Paperwhite. So right, <laughs> people like paperbacks, but they're starting to see even the traditional ones are starting to like Kindles or ebook readers or whatever they're going to find comfortable. And they're only going to get better uh, ways of being able to read and have that textual experience that's sort of like a book. So the future is going to be kind of exciting, I think. Yeah, and also the fact that ebooks are gaining ground, you know, it's it's also part of because it is cheaper than ever before to publish a, a book. Right? Oh, yes. And I mean that is a good thing, you know. Yes. Okay. Things like covers and editing that shouldn't be skimped upon. No. Um, and I guess that ties into the point that we were making before about quality. Um we did actually discuss the cost of producing a novel and what we suggested you should focus on if you are on a budget in episode 64. So if you're in a doubt, you can go back and listen to that one. But I do think it is extremely cheap to produce a novel, and not in terms of time, but in terms <laughs> of actual dollars, then it's cheap. <laughs> yes, especially that first one. Everyone's got a story of their first one, because if you count from concept to finally publishing it, and that's usually a three to five year odyssey, it gets better after that. I promise. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> so let's not count the first one. But yes, it is definitely uh, time-wise not the easiest pursuit. But hey, once you sell one, it's not like a painting where you only ever sell one. You sell it again and again and again, and you get to talk to people about it, and it's it becomes a thing. You get fan art, so it's always fun. But it's definitely, it is cheaper. I mean, I think publishing, if you look into entrepreneurial magazines and things, self-publishing is one of the cheapest businesses as a startup cost. Because oh, yeah, yeah I mean, you need something to write on, like a laptop, which most people have. I've written on my iPad with an external keyboard. I, this is not a huge, expensive setup. But you do need the book covers and the editing. And if you don't know how to do the formatting, the formatting. But, you know... Again, listen to episode 64. You'll get an idea of what you're looking at it for prices and the range of prices. And with that, you can have a book up and then you have the ads and marketing. And that is definitely right now the crunch point. And that's why I do think that that is 2020 was definitely 2019 and 2020 were the year of, you know, you everyone was getting into AMS ads, all the big um, helpers and courses that are targeting authors of uh, things to learn we're talking about even i mean facebook ads are still there but they were really looking at ams ads now that is getting tight bookbub ads are hard to really get some traction goodreads got rid of their ads um it's finding visibility is definitely the nugget that someone is looking to crack right now and someone is mm. going to crack it yeah. There is yeah. going to be the next generation and guaranteed versus the asteroid hitting the earth in 2020, because we're not at the end of the year yet. It could happen. <laughs> but let's just, let's assume we'll all make it to 2021. Something is going to change and they're going to figure out a way of hooking up readers with great authors. And that's going to be really a game changer because there's enough readers out there to keep authors busy 
readers, especially serial readers, reading has not gone away. Thank you, J.K. Rowling, for raising an entire generation of mad, rabid <laughs> fantasy readers. We love the. <laughs> it's fantastic. People are reading crazily. It hasn't gone away. Everyone, every generation, they say people are not reading. I'm sorry. There's a whole industry devoted to readers and to writers feeding readers. So this is not, it's never too late. It's not going away. If you want to write and it's in your blood and you like telling stories, give it a whirl. It's a lot of fun. There's, there's tough parts, but you'll find some people. Yeah. And I, I think part of what you're saying, there's also, I think it's important to be adaptable in this landscape that we're entering here. And as, as we head into 2021, uh, it's probably an increasingly important skill set, to be honest, because mm-hmm. you have to be willing to spend the time to pay attention to what is working for other authors and then adapt your marketing efforts when necessary. Because gone are the days where you could just upload your book to Amazon and put in some keywords <laughs> and yeah, voila, Amazon takes over and you sell a ton of books. You, you could do that 10 years ago, but that's not possible anymore. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I, I probably even go further than that and say that some of the marketing tips and tricks that used to work still circulates around the internet mm-hmm. and you will come across it once you start looking for tips and tricks to do this and that. But a lot of them has actually lost a lot of their effectiveness. Oh, yeah. Uh, we talked about the Permafree book one in a past episode, didn't we? Yes, I mean, we that's did. Sort of, the, sort of the same thing. So I think it's important to, uh, not that you have to listen to us if you don't want to, but <laughs> just listening to podcasts in general on this topic um, and try to educate and see what people are saying, what can you pick up and, and what do you need to adapt in your own approach. I think that becomes increasingly important as we head into 2021 because just keep doing the same thing. Then we're back to the downward spiral that I mentioned before where you just keep pouring money into ads. But yeah, that might work for a while. And of course, depends on how deep your pockets are. But at the end of the day, it's not going to work forever. No. And even I do worry about newsletters. I mean, it is the number one way of building a relationship with readers. You do want to find those a thousand true fans because they will, they will build your career. They will be your foundation. But joining a lot of book book funnel promos and stuff where, you know, readers are getting, if they go, if you get readers who are serial readers and they're going through these promos and they're getting on a whole bunch of people's mailing lists, it's saturation. I mean, who doesn't have email saturation now? So you need to make your newsletters concise and important and clear and fun and engaging. I mean, it's, it's it's like writing a book and you have to do that regularly. So you attract your readers or you have to have a setup so that they know who you are. And so when you send your email and you have this new book release that they, they go out and they're still interested because whether you write every book every two months or two years, you need to grow, you know, keep those readers. They have to have a way of connecting with you and staying in tune to the journey. And that's important. But again, it comes down to what if readers are hitting a saturation point with newsletters? I mean, I, I know, I think once a month I go through an unsubscribe spree and I'm still got too many emails coming every day. So these are, there are worries I have, but I also think that we will, We'll find a step around them. We'll find the next thing. But like you were saying, you have to stay on the pulse of this and not 
the pulse of a couple years ago, but the pulse now, what are people chatting about? What are the authors chatting about? Where are your readers finding, you know, go and hang out with your readers, make sure you're going there and not just talking to other authors, because the whole point is you have readers, so go find them, as well as talking to the other authors. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff to stay on top of it, but if you love this, it's it's not exactly, you know, like, dreary. You're not reading the current news stories, which, trust me, you don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, I don't share your concern about the newsletters, to be honest. Mm. I, I still think, and I don't see it going away either, that it is the best way to interact with readers. Because you get in the inbox, and of course, it is true what you said. You know that it then relies on you to make those emails interesting enough that they keep being invested in what you have to say. But I still don't think that there is anything out there that will beat the newsletter anytime soon. Um, but yeah, but on the other hand, as well, and I'm wondering what you think about this one. But mm. there's probably something to be said about well, the necessity of having multiple streams of income. Mm. I'm not sure, but I think it might be a must for financial stability going forward. What do you think about that? I, I'm still torn. There's part of me who wishes I had focused a lot heavier, like I had just gone 110% into writing books and writing them faster and better and getting the marketing down like four years ago when I left my full-time job. But instead, part of the reason I left was I was developing courses and am writing fantasy and this podcast what came out of it. And I think, um, so I think I have maybe my eggs in separated into too many different baskets that I can sometimes manage <laughs> well. <Sure. laughs> I didn't say you couldn't have too many. <laughs> oh yeah, I definitely. I think you can have too many, but I do think that if you can set up a few on automation, if you can if you can flex yourself to have a lot of different things, I think it is a good thing. If it's in your nature, um, I was just on a friend's entrepreneurial podcast and we got into talking about that, that if you're naturally inclined to lots of different things, you're probably going to get into lots of different things and it's better to embrace that and organize it from the get-go than try to make yourself focus in one thing and grow to hate it. So yeah, I think there are ways of branching out and doing it. But I also see some authors who are literally, they're doing a book every two months, which means they're writing like 10,000 words a day, plus the editing, plus the plotting, getting the covers. And it's, that is all they can handle. That is all that it can fit on their plate. And they're doing just fine. And I think that if you can find enough fans and you're writing well enough, you could, you could entirely have that as a model and run with that. But if you are someone who likes to branch out and have a few other things, you can also, you know, get that to work as well and have a more stable platform because, yeah, some of those authors who are doing a book every two months and stuff, they're KDP select. And I think that's great because it's working for them. And there's times I'm like, darn, that's so they make it look so easy. I'm envious because I always do everything the hard way. But I can't give it all to one place. I just can't do it. No, but that was exactly my thinking as well, that a lot of those who, who have that kind of success is because they are in Kindle Unlimited, mm -hmm. which I guess is fine. But if we're talking about financial stability long-term, mm -hmm. I don't think that's a stable uh, platform. Uh, nothing against putting books in, in Kindle Unlimited. As such. I mean, we have a plan to do that for future books as well. But the thing is, if you have all kinds of other things in other places as well, then yes, maybe Amazon will change something in a year or two or three years from now. 
But if you have incomes from other streams, then you are much more stable. Uh, and whereas some of those that you mentioned there, they're mm-hmm. 100% reliant on the income from Kindle Unlimited, which I would be a bit scared about. I would be too, just because like I mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of rumbling in the US about breaking up Amazon. And, you know, they might just end up having to divest Goodreads or divest ACX or some of their other things that they've purchased. But what if they decide to divest something with their books? What if they break that up a little bit? We don't know what the future is. And so I and I do imagine at some point, like I said, server space can only grow so big books. Books make a lot of money, but I don't think they're making as much as some of the other stuff on Amazon. So if they decided that, you know, they're going to have limited space, again, people, books will not go away. There will just be pop-up sites that are starting to compete with Amazon for certain genres or such. And that will be exciting to me. But that's also because I'm not on Kindle Unlimited. So I would be like, yes, I'm going there. Not, oh gosh, I had to rebuild everything. I'm already, mm. I'm already everywhere. It'd be so hard to pull my tentacles out. It'd be just horrible. Yeah, no, no, that's true. But, and the thing is also that if, well, just on that point about Amazon that you mentioned, <laughs> right? If we look at the yearly revenue from Amazon, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know the exact numbers because I haven't looked into it. So I'm, I am guessing a bit here. I'll be honest about that. But book sale, ebook sales out of Amazon's total revenue it's probably less than 1%. If I'm really, really, really like um, positive and upbeat here, <laughs> then let's say it's 2% of Amazon's total revenue. But it's something like that. It, yeah. it, it's like nothing. They, they probably won't even notice it if they stop selling ebooks. Probably. That's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, and that's the scary part. But I actually have, and I don't, well, we have to have some good and some bad ones. Okay. But I have one more joker in the pot here. All right, let's go for it. Something, yeah, something that might disrupt the market in ways that we haven't even thought about. Can All you right. guess that what that might be? A solar flare. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I have no idea. <laughs> AI. Oh, oh, yeah, that's true. All right, I'm, I'm sticking to solar flare. I know. <laughs> so are you thinking yeah. AI for writing the books or AI for helping to pair readers and writers? Well, we have already seen examples of AI producing books. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not wonderful yet. <laughs> oh, not yet. <laughs> but uh, as well, but if you're looking at the speed in which this develops and and in the speed that AI teaches themselves, it's incredible. You know, just like two years ago, they couldn't do anything and now they can write crappy books, but they can write books. Uh, Where will they be in two years from now or five years from now? It's going to be a completely different landscape. But personally, I don't think that AI will replace authors within the next five, 10 years. I I don't think so. Of course, I don't know. Uh, But... I do think that we need to be really curious about technology. Mm-hmm. And that's where I talked about adapt, uh, you know, to be adaptable Redactable. before. Yeah, because this is one of the areas where I think that most authors, are, this is a blind spot. Mm. You know, we, we try to sort of ignore the fact that there is AI technology coming there. Uh, instead of embracing it and looking into how can we perhaps integrate AIs into our author businesses so that we can work alongside AIs, basically having them help us in doing some of the work. And I don't know how to do that yet, but I'm just saying that 
moving forward into the next decade, mm-hmm. technology is going to get better and better and better. And I think we have to find ways in order to leverage this technology. And I think that the authors who will do that successfully, they will get an advantage. Yeah, They will come out on top. So that's something to think about. Oh, I think that's a very, very good point and definitely something worth thinking about if really looking ahead, not just wondering, not just keeping your pulse on today's market, but, you know, really projecting into where is this all going? And yeah, I can see AI as being a, an important part. I mean, there are so many books they're looking at. Um, oh, now I can't even remember the tor- term, but altered reality, you know, looking into these books mm. where there's like, 3D links and visuals and for a while augmented reality thank you and there were a few people who were trying to tie music to the reading experience which I'm kind of I have to say I'm kind of glad that didn't go anywhere but (laughs) that was just disruptive to me but people are trying to do other things with books so yeah things are gonna there will always be someone cutting edge and going a little bit further and it will be interesting to see where it goes because stories, I know stories are not going to go away. No, indeed. So I think right now is a great time to get started. Um, there is no way of knowing for sure, but I would state, uh, of course, with no scientific data behind this <laughs> to, to back up my claim here, but I would state that the next, let's say, 10 years is a window of opportunity for authors to build themselves a career in writing in a market that continues to grow because many readers haven't even discovered the possibility to buy a Kindle and download eBooks yet, especially for those listening in the US, and that's mm-hmm. the majority of you. I think it's important that you don't assume that the level of market penetration that you see with Kindle and eBooks is the same everywhere else because it's not. No. You know, here in the Nordics where I live, for instance, There are those who read eBooks, but it's not a mature product at all. Wow. I think most of those who do read eBooks here in this part of the world, many of them do through the library system where you can read eBooks, but actually going onto Amazon and buying eBook themselves, that's quite foreign to most people here. They're not used to it. So there's one of those informational bubbles here again, where I think you in the US might assume that this is just normal this is how it is but it's not so think about that as well the market (laughs) will mature over the next decade and it as it does the possibility to find new readers will as well sounds good and i agree no surprise there (laughs) (laughs) okay perfect So next Monday, it's finally time for episode 100 and we are looking so much forward to answering your questions. So see you next week. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday. <laughs>